Welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. I am Joe Sebelia. Thank you for joining me. Please follow the show on social media at R&R Coffee Show and head on over to YouTube and follow us on YouTube so you can see the video versions of all the podcasts. My next guest is lead singer of the band Living Dead Girl, Molly Rennick. Living Dead Girl is about to hit the road on their Not That Innocent tour, which is their name of their new EP, five-song EP, which is a covers EP consisting of covers of Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Avril Lavigne, and a few others. Um, They do it in the Living Dead Girl style, so definitely check that out, as well as their debut album, which is available, called Exorcism. You can check out Living Dead Girl at their website, livingdeadgirl.ca. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Molly Rennick. Um, but Molly, I want, can you clear something up for me now? Are you in Canada or are you in Florida? Florida. So you live there now? I do. Yeah. I, I'm from Canada, but I got a work visa and moved to Florida last year. Last year. Okay. Because I've seen a lot of stuff and, and you were from Canada and you were living in Canada. And then I saw Orlando and I was like, well, I, I think she's in Florida, but I better ask. Yep, I'm in sunny Florida, not cold Canada. <laughs> yeah, how are you liking it? I love it so much. I go to Disney World like four times a week and it's awesome. Huge Disney fan? <laughs> Huge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have a tattoo, like a mermaid tattoo, Little Mermaid? I do, and of course this is the one time I'm wearing a sleeve. But yeah, I've got Ariel on my bicep, Ursula underneath. I've got Jack and Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas, and then the uh, Poison Apple from Snow White. Yeah, I'd say you're a little Disney fan there. Little Disney fan. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in the Tampa area, so I'm familiar with where you're at. But okay, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, why did you choose Orlando? Why? What brought you down there? Well, I was originally. I mean, like, like my whole life, I was planning on moving to Los Angeles. That just seems like the obvious choice for music. And then California's just gotten like so crazy expensive, and I was like, okay, never mind. I'm gonna move to Nashville. So then I was gonna move to Nashville, but I went there twice, and it didn't really feel homey enough to me like in the two times that I went like I wasn't like excited about moving there I was still kind of like feeling it out and I wasn't familiar and the one time I went there I got roofied and wasn't hospitalized and obviously that's not Nashville's fault because that could happen anywhere but you know I mean it kind of just like put a bad taste in my mouth like it kind of just turned me off um so then I was trying to think okay where in the state should I move and I thought Florida was a really good place because I've already I'd already been here so many times before I moved here I was already kind of familiar with the area and obviously I love Disney and I love the weather and not scraping ice off my car anymore so I was like I'm just gonna move to Florida because like besides LA that would be the second state I'm the most like familiar with so it was like moving internationally scary no matter what you do but at least if you know where you're going it's less terrifying (laughs) right right now so you had your band in Canada, though, because you just moved here a year ago, and your band's been together for a long time, right? Yeah, so we've kind of interchanged members a few times over the years. Um, so we kind of had, like, some people coming in and coming out at the same time as me moving. So for the first tour we did, everyone came down from Canada except for me. Um, but now we just have the one member in Canada, Jordan, our bassist. He still lives in Canada, but he just flies down anytime we've got a tour coming up. And then now our guitarist, Johnny, lives in Vegas and now our drummer is actually my fiance, Steve, who lives in Florida with me. So now three out of four of us are in the States. So okay. Okay. <laughs> making so the transition being here. Yeah. So you're all spread out now. You have a tour coming up, Not That Innocent Tour, um, starting next Wednesday, I believe. Yes. Here in Myrtle Beach. That's where I'm at. In Myrtle Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to try and come out to that show. 
I hope uh, you can make it. Me too. I should be able to, but no. <laughs> um, so how do you guys prepare for a tour? Like how soon do you get together to rehearse or, I mean, what happens there? We always have everyone fly into Orlando a few days before the tour starts. And then we just like go hard with band practice. Like we had the shows, the last shows we had done were in November of last year in Canada. And then we didn't see each other or play together until this February. We had the album release party. So we had everyone come to my house like four days before the show. And we have like a studio that we rent here. And we just jammed for like five hours just playing the set like nonstop. And we practice it as if it's a show like with the full talking in between and everything. So we just like go really hard and really serious with the practice knowing we're on a timeline. And it works out for us. Like so many people wonder like, well, how do you practice and how does it sound tight if you guys don't practice regularly but we all practice to the same like the same click track like the same metronome so i'm like in theory if we are all playing to the exact same metronome there's no reason it shouldn't be tight right. and we also do facetimes like we have like regular band meetings and stuff but we'll also do facetimes like sometimes jordan just facetimes johnny and they'll go over guitar and bass parts together on facetime sure. okay now do you play live to a click we do yeah okay yeah so i mean I guess that explains it. Everybody should have it down. Yeah, it's like if we all practice the exact same track and one of us is off, it's obvious who didn't practice. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, you'll really stand out. Yeah. Um, like I said, Not That Innocent Tour, and that's supporting your latest, it's an EP, five songs of cover songs. And I thought, you know, it, a very interesting choice of songs, all pop songs, but that's kind of what your background is in, in a way right you were into the pop music yeah like that's the kind of music that i grew up listening to because i did grow up surrounded by rock and metal like my parents liked rock and metal but i still heard pop music everywhere i went like it was still it was on tv and in commercials and you hear it in the car and in the mall and stuff so like when i think back to my childhood yes i heard a lot of van halen and pink floyd and stuff but at the same time i do remember i was obsessed with hillary duff i was obsessed with avril Lavigne. still am i remember hearing oops i did it again like anywhere you went like on the radio so when i think of my childhood and like what kind of songs i would pick up a microphone and by microphone i mean hairbrush and dance yeah. around the living room singing into when i was like four years old like those were the songs that stuck out so okay. that there, it's just kind of like a little nostalgia ep for me right how come uh, you wanted to uh, record these songs on the ep like why put it out why did you want to do that uh well we weren't ready to do a second full-length album yeah i'm still i'm still working with exorcism i'm still kind of milking it because it's it's my baby and i'm in love with it and obsessed sure. with it um so i do i did want to make some music i wanted to go into the studio and do something and then i was like well why don't we do why don't we do covers i think it might have been our manager jeremy who had come up with covers because i was sitting at his dinner table and i was like okay what's next exorcism is out what should we do now and between the two of us we came up with okay let's do covers and i was like well if i'm gonna do covers there needs to still be a theme or an aesthetic like I don't want to just pick random songs and stick it on an album because what's the point of doing that? Right. So I was like, they need to be like a collection of something sentimental to me. So then I was like, let's go like the nostalgia route. I'm like, let's go with a very specific type of music all within. I'm pretty sure all those songs were released within like a four or five year period. Mm -hmm. So from the same era. So I just kind of just like started like it started snowballing from there. I was like, OK, covers. OK, it's going to be all songs from my childhood, songs I grew up listening to. And it was like so much fun for me to make them because I remember vividly like singing along to these songs when I was like six years old. Right. So for me to do them as like a metal singer now, it just felt like such like a tribute. I'm like honoring the people who inspired me to start singing by singing them in my own style. Like it was just kind of 
Just kind of like a tribute to the inspiration throughout my life. Right. So you have um, Get the Party Started by Pink, Oops, I Did It Again, Britney Spears, um, Fighter, Christina Aguilera. That's the first single, correct, off of that? Yes. Okay. Um, What else? Skater Boy, Avril Lavigne. Skater Boy, and then Come Clean by Hilary Duff. Right, right. Do you have a favorite of those? It's hard for me to pick. I'm kind of... I've been listening to our cover of Come Clean a lot lately. Hillary Duff was my very first concert when I was eight years old. So she'll always have like a special place in my heart. That was my first, like we went to like the Air Canada Center in Toronto. And that was like such a big deal for an eight-year-old. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of nostalgia tied to like Hillary Duff and Lizzie McGuire. Right. Um, so Living Dead Girl has a very unique sound. I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, you kind of cross the Avril Lavigne style you know, pop punk into the metal style, mm. which I don't, I can't think of a band that has done it the way that you're doing that. Thank you. I take yeah. that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and exorcism is a great album. I've been listening to it over and over. Um, and living dead girl, I got to say, is probably one of my favorite new bands to me. I, I don't, you. you know, you're not a brand new band, but new to me. Um, mm. But the style, I, I found it very interesting. I mean, how did that, how did you get it to work? Because it, it really works well together. It was actually a lot harder than you would imagine because I did work with a few other producers before the producer that ended up doing the album. And I was really experimenting for years. And so like when I say to people, Exorcism took four years to make, I don't mean that I was in a studio writing music for four years because that would be ridiculous. At that point, I'd probably have 20 albums. You would be um, called Def Leppard. Yeah. It's like I wasn't writing the same songs for four years. It's I would work with a producer and I wasn't even sure really what I wanted yet. I was like 18 years old. I was still in high school when we started recording it. And I was like showing them so many different examples of what I wanted. I was like, I kind of want like Hailstorm or The Pretty Reckless, which is not at all what we sound like now. Right. And then... And then every producer would just hear me scream and be like, oh, well, let's let's lay into that because my, my clean vocals weren't as good as my scream. So they were like, let's do like more death metal. And we had so many different like demos and different songs over the years like that don't exist on the Internet anywhere. They only exist in my personal Dropbox. Maybe I'll post them one day. But we had a lot of like weird like I want to say almost death metal. And we had some like weird math metal songs like Exorcism was originally like a just screaming song. No clean vocals at all. That's it. And so I had to really experiment because we were making that kind of music for like three years. We were playing like little local shows where I was just screaming my head off. And I was like sitting back reflecting and I was like, I don't like any of my music. I'm like, I wrote all the lyrics and I like, I didn't write the music, but I wrote all the lyrics. I came up with like the ideas and the sound and everything. And I was like, but I don't like it. <laughs> like when we were performing live, I was like, I'm not having fun with this. Like I obviously love performing and I love screaming, but it just wasn't like resonating with me. I was like, this isn't fun enough. Like, I'm not the kind of musician that like takes myself so seriously. Like, Oh, it needs to be very dark and goth and, and heavy and cool. I'm very much like, I want this to be playful. I want people to be able to like bang their head and jump to it, but also want to sing along to it and high energy and upbeat. Like that's the kind of music I really love. Like I love my dark moody, heavy stuff too. Like there's always a time of day that I'm like down to listen to something like that. But like at the end of the day for myself as a performer, I was like, I want to be like smiling and jumping and like, having fun while I'm singing. So when I went to go work with Mitchell Marlowe, the producer that did exorcism, I like conveyed those thoughts to him right when we started working. And he just understood what I meant. Like before I had told producers, I was like, 
how about heavy metal? I was trying to come up with the idea for exorcism. I was like, how about a heavy metal song with cheerleaders in it? And every single songwriter or musician I said that to just looked at me and like raised an eyebrow and was like, that sounds stupid. That's going to sound like crap. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was like, that's dumb. That's not going to sound good. Right. But then I said to Mitch and he just went, okay. And then exorcism was born and it sounded better than I expected. Like when we did it and I was sitting there listening to it, I was, that, that was the first song that sounded like that was exorcism. Okay. And then, so that's why it became the title track and it kind of set the tone. Cause then from there I said to him, yes, that's what I meant. And then we just kind of kept rolling from there. Right. So it just took a long time to f- figure it out because I knew what I wanted, but at the same time I didn't, I didn't notice I, it sounded like until I heard it. So when you went to, you went to see, see him, right? Wherever mm-hmm. he was. Yeah. I flew to LA to work with him. So what did you, ha- what did you bring with you? Did you have the music? Did you have just the lyrics? What, what happened there? I had a ton of rough demos I showed him and that's what I had sent him in the first place when I said, Hey, do you want to work with me? Here's some demos I've done. Um, so I had like some examples of songs and I had like hundreds of songs worth of lyrics and the notes on my phone. I always have that at any given point. So there were a few songs on exorcism that had previously existed in other forms, like exorcism at the edge, worship me, give up and dirty liar were the five that already existed. And then the other six songs I wrote with Mitch. So it was like kind of a mixture of pre-existing demos and a mixture of songs we made up on the spot. And I kind of found that through the years of like tweaking exorcism, the songs that had the less amount of work put into them, I think almost turn out the best. Like the ones that just, you completely pull out, pull out of thin air. Like we wrote and recorded villain in four hours and it was done, like fully recorded and written. Like I wrote those lyrics in maybe 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was just on a roll. Whereas like worship me, I like worship me now. Now I think it sounds great. It sounds perfect. It's a great live song because everyone likes how heavy it is. Like it's the perfect closing song. But that song I wrote and re-recorded like seven times to the point that I started resenting it. I was like, I was like, screw this song. It's not working. Like there was just like something weird in the arrangement and like trying to go between the singing and screaming and, and we changed the lyrics so many times. And like, finally I was like, I hate this song. Mm. (laughs) And then once I reworked it with Mitch, I was like, okay, now it's good. And it's not even that it was ever bad. Like I'm not insulting the previous versions of it or any of the producers I've worked with. It's just that the more you sit and think on something, the more you start to doubt yourself and question yourself. And it just kind of feels like it's not working. So I kind of like that a lot of our songs were very spontaneous because I just kind of feel like those are the ones that were like meant to be. It's like, I didn't even write this song. Like I found it in my brain. It already existed there. And I just like discovered it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is it (laughs) difficult to go from the singing to the screaming? Uh, Is it difficult for that transition? I wouldn't say it's difficult per se, but I would say it takes a lot of practice and knowing how to do it. Like my vocal coach explains it to me as he says, you're singing and you're screaming are the exact same muscles, the exact same vocal cords. Like, like if you're thinking of it as two separate voices, you're going to like stress yourself out thinking, it's two different techniques, but they're the exact same technique. He said, you're basically just kicking the distortion pedal on. Mm. And once I started like really approaching it with that mindset, it became so easy. Like I've even had people come up to me after shows and they're like, Oh, when you're screaming, you don't even like scrunch up your face. Like, like why? Like it doesn't even look like you're trying and stuff. It almost looks too easy. And I'm like, it's literally just singing. Like they're yeah. the exact same thing. Even when I scream, like without a microphone, my screams are not even loud. Like they're probably quieter than my singing. Cause I barely push any arrow. So like when you actually really break it down 
down. It's they're pretty much the same thing. They just have like a different sound to them. You don't scream at your fiance like you do on the record. No, oh. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have a fiance if I did that. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, you're getting ready to go on tour now. Who's going on tour with you? Is it just you guys, or you have other bands? Uh, Marley Mendoza is joining us. Right. Okay. And do you know her, or have you guys met before? We met one time. We played a show in Cincinnati last August, and she came to it, and I got to meet her in person because I've known her on the internet for like. I want to say two years now, like we've been Facebook friends and Instagram. We've messaged messaged each other and we've kind of like been in talks for a while. Like, Hey, we should do a tour together. But like, it just like wouldn't work out. Like something else would get booked or we would try to line something up and it didn't happen. So then finally we were like, okay, let's do a spring tour specifically with Marlene. Like I just started booking it myself and made it happen. Cause it's kind of hard for bands. Like we all have different schedules and different, different lives and stuff so like there's so many bands you want to tour with so when it actually happens it's very exciting it's like yes the stars aligned i get to tour with someone that i'm really excited to tour with right that'll be fun are you guys going to meet up in myrtle beach she does yeah she does join us on that first show so yeah she's on the entire tour okay okay that'll be fun um talk to me about exorcism because from what i understand you had that album and then covid hit right so you had to postpone it is that what happened yeah we sat on it for a long time so we finished how how did that affect that record i feel like it kind of like dimmed its light a little bit and i don't like to like admit that i like to pretend that that was the perfect release that i had planned all along but like we didn't get to have like the proper release party we didn't get to tour immediately um we were finished recording it in february 2020 so like right before everything happened um and then so it was like being mixed and mastered and we were planning on releasing it in october of 2020 but we were planning on touring that entire spring and summer to like promote it and build hype and like spread the word and like do some like radio interviews and stuff and then like there was the lockdowns we couldn't do anything so then we were kind of just back to the drawing board because it was my first release i'm not on a label i was Mm. very diy with everything and i still am so I was kind of just back to the drawing board, like, okay, how do I release an album if I can't tour to promote it? Because touring is everything. Like, do you know how many sure. people wander into a bar? Hey, let's go grab a beer. They see that there's a band playing. They've never heard of them before. And now they're going to leave a fan. Like, that happens so much for bands at our level. Like, we rely on the foot traffic of a bar or any venue to have people just, like, happen to discover us. Because not, like, everyone is just going to have heard of us, buy a ticket, and come. But how many people come up to us after a show and are like, I just wandered in here tonight because I heard live music and now I'm buying a t-shirt and I want to see you again and I'm going to follow you. Mm-hmm. So that was like the best way to release an album. We're like, oh, we're just going to tour this entire year. We've got an album coming out, release a single, do a music video. And then like that plan was squashed. So we couldn't even do a music video for a live. There were too many restrictions in Canada that we couldn't pull it off until I think we released in April of 2021. So we released a live as a single in October when it, the whole album was supposed to come out. But we couldn't do the music video until like six months later, which was fine because it kind of just stretched out the promotional shelf life of Alive. Um, And then Exorcism came out the following summer because we could have released it in October. Like it was ready to go. But I had to like rethink my entire marketing plan without the help of live shows. So we Mm -hmm. had to like do the press release and do a radio campaign, like all of that stuff. And we were still lining up interviews stuff, but we just had to do everything like over Zoom and we couldn't go anywhere. So right. I basically spent like six months like planning, okay, how do I release this? Cause I didn't want to just put an album on Spotify and YouTube and just hope someone discovers it and someone listens and someone cares. 
Like after the tens of thousands of dollars I put myself in debt (laughs) going to LA and making an album, I was like, I don't want to waste it. Like I only get to release it once. I want to make sure people know about it. Hmm. So it really just, yeah, it was really stressful trying to think like, how can I do this without live shows? And we pulled it off and it worked pretty well. Like Alive ended up charting and getting on the radio and everything. So it was Mm. fine. Like we made it work. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, it sounds great. I mean, are you funding everything yourself? I am. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's been very difficult. (laughs) It's what? It's been very difficult. I'm sure. I mean, the record is, is very professional. Sounds great. Um, Your videos. I mean, that's a whole nother level. Thank you. (laughs) So let's talk about your videos. So do you come up with the concepts on these? I mean, how how did you get such a professional video? I mean, just hiring people or what's going on? A mixture of the two. I can't take full credit. I do come up with like the ideas and the visions. I'll make like a Pinterest board. I'll pick everyone's outfits. And then um, so Alive and Exorcism were both directed by the same guy, Paul Maxwell. And then Poltergeist was directed by Brian Quintero. So one, so the t- those two were in Hamilton. That one was in Toronto. So it was like in the GTA. You just find like a creative, talented guy. Tell him all of your ideas and your vision and what you want. And then he has like a team of people that he works with. And then you just like all work together and collaborate to like bring it to life. But like at the end of the day, like I do have a lot of creative say over our music videos, which is very exciting and fun for me. Honestly, making mu- music videos is probably my favorite part. Of making, of making video, uh, yeah, making music. It's my favorite because it's kind of like I already have this song I wrote. I love this song. What can I do to enhance it? Like, how can I take this awesome song and make it even better? It's kind of like a new life that you breathe into a song. So when it comes to music videos, like we just filmed another one last week that we will be releasing this year, and like this one, like I completely like directed it. Like I got to help write the script and every little detail like I got to like overlook and being in creative control is like my favorite thing ever. Right. Did you film it down there in Orlando? We did. Yeah. It was our first video in the States, which was really hard to do because we needed a lot of crew members for it. And we don't know that many people here. So we had some people that we did fly down from Canada because we know we already work with them. And my fiance owns a production company. So that's very helpful. (laughs) I didn't know him at the time though, when we did the other three videos, Um, I've Uh met him since then. But so he flew down some of his uh, crew members and then the rest, we just found people in Florida, just like through networking. I put out a couple of Facebook posts like, hey, we need people for a music video in Orlando. Like, contact me if you're interested. And so many people messaged us that we just managed to pull it off. That's awesome. Can you say what the video is or no? Like the concept or the song? The song. The song It is an unreleased single. So it is not okay. from Not That Innocent. It's a new song that is not released yet. But it is a song that we do play live. So we've been playing it live since last summer just to kind of like give a special treat to the people who made the effort to come to the show. It's like, thank you for coming to our show. You get to hear this song before everyone else does. Right. Okay. You're going to play it in Myrtle Beach then? Yes, we are. Awesome. Okay. Um, do you... Talk to me about your your background. You come from a musical family? I do. Not like a family of performers, I wouldn't say. But my dad like always played guitar and like not professionally, just like as a hobby. But he mm-hmm. always still builds and collects guitars. So we had a room in my basement that had like 25 guitars in it and stacks of amps, a piano, just a bunch of stuff like that. So 
I didn't really get as hands on though. I feel like until I like moved out, like and started like real. I don't know. Like I really needed to like focus on that kind of stuff, and I couldn't do it like in a household that was like full of people and pets and stuff. I needed to like be alone. Like now, I live in Florida by myself, well, with my fiance, but not with my family. Um, and then I started like taking piano lessons. And I picked up a guitar for the first time in a couple of years. I feel like I needed to just like get more serious with it once I. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I grew up around it, but I didn't start, like, really taking it seriously until I got a bit older. Like, I always loved singing and all of that, but I didn't really get into, like, I need to write my own music and I need to, like, play piano while I sing and stuff until, like, I lived on my own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you started modeling first, is that right? A bit of both. So I started, okay. um, like, I started singing when I was, like, a child. Like, I was in, sorry, I'm just fixing my laptop here. <laughs> I was in a choir when I was 10, 10 or 11. And I started, like, doing things like, there was a TV show in Canada called The Next Star. Um, mm-hmm. It was basically American Idol, but in Canada and for kids under 16. So I auditioned for that twice. And, like, my mom would drive me to singing lessons and piano lessons and guitar lessons and all these musical things as a child. I just didn't like have it figured out until I was a bit older. Like I was a musical child, but I would not say I was a talented child. Oh no. <laughs> it did not it did not come naturally to me. I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. To be quite frank, I sucked. You sound <laughs> for like a me. Very long time. <laughs> <laughs> like for, for a long time, like I loved it, but I wasn't good at it. Like my mom okay. would take me to singing recitals and then I would get off stage and be like, How'd I do? And she'd be like, You're terrible. Hey, at least <laughs> and I'm really I really appreciate her being honest with me, though, because I'm glad I didn't get a participation trophy. If if for years my parents and grandparents and everyone just said, yeah, you're the best, you're killing it, you're doing great, then I never would have strived to do better. I'd be like, well, everyone says I'm the best. Whereas right. even like my grandpa, one year at Thanksgiving dinner, like he just like looked me in the face when I was like 12 years old and was like, you cannot sing. You need to stop. Like, it sounds really bad. And I like started crying and I was upset. He bought me flowers after it was good. But, um, and like my parents would like straight up tell me like, you suck. You cannot sing. It was really bad. And I had a vocal coach for years who now I realize because now I have like one of the most renowned vocal coaches in the world I work with. I'm trying to like undo years of like muscle memory from like doing the wrong techniques. Hmm. So I, I tried singing lessons like, yeah, I was I was a musical child. I'm I'm like trailing off now. I was a musical child go. my entire life, but I didn't get good until I was an adult. I just embarrassed myself publicly for like a decade and then taking the constructive criticism and putting in the effort and really caring and being passionate and trying and putting in the work made it get good after. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't care. You just went out there anyway, right? Yeah, like I used to do, this is so cringy now, and I, I wish I could find them, but I wish they still existed. I think a couple of them still do on my old computer. I used to try making music videos when I was like 15 years old, where I would literally set up a camera and lip sync in front of it. And then I would, I had like a little interface and I had like garage band. I'd record myself singing and I'd dub it over and I'd edit the music video and I put them on YouTube. And some of them actually got thousands of views. Like I had one that had like 50,000 views of me singing Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne completely off key. And, like, trying to, like, remake her music video. And I had blonde hair at the time. I got told I looked like Avril all the time. And I just made these silly, stupid, cringy music videos of me singing. And then I got bullied in school so badly for it. Like, really badly. And everyone just made fun of me and stuff. But I feel like all of that is a part of the journey, though. And it built a lot of character. Because, like I said earlier, you can't give a kid a participation trophy. If everyone told me I was a great singer, 
then I would still be singing terribly now because I, I would believe I'm the best because I was told that. Whereas everyone's saying, you need to do better. You need to try harder. You're flat. You're sharp. You got to put in the work is what made me say, screw you. I'm going to show you. Like I got like resentful, like, no, I need to prove to them I can do this. And then I like started putting in the work and made it and made it happen. So I'm really grateful that I embarrassed myself as a teenager instead of as an adult. No, of course, of course. I got it over with. (laughs) Yeah. Was there a moment when you realized, hey, I'm actually pretty good? I think that started happening when I learned how to scream. So I learned how to scream when I was like 16 years old, 16 or 17. I kept trying to do it. I was just in my parents' basement cranking, like in this moment, motionless and white, Marilyn Manson, like trying to sing along and add rasp. And I kept thinking to myself, like, it's not screaming. Don't actually scream because then you're going to blow out your voice. I was like, just sing, but with rasp. And I kept trying to tell myself, sing, but with rasp and push a lot of power. out. And then finally one day it just sounded like amazing. And I was so startled. Like I was like, did that sound come out of me? So I like set up my phone and filmed it. And then I started putting that on like Instagram and YouTube, like me singing like horror by in this moment. And of course I was like a 16 year old who went to a Catholic high school, got pulled into the principal's office for posting that on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but once I started screaming and singing raspy, I was like, whoa, okay, I'm doing something right now. Like this sounds pretty good. And then once I started like pursuing, okay, I don't need to try to sing pop music. That sounds terrible. Mm. (laughs) I was like, I need to sing metal. Then I had kind of like found my voice and found myself. Mm -hmm. And then when did you become good at the pop music? That came later. So I didn't, I don't, I don't know what like the turning point was. Like I've, I've been practicing for like years, but, um, so I recorded exorcism in like 2019 and 2020. My cleans were like good by then. So I would say like by the time I was like 18, I was like, my clean vocals had gotten much better. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if you uh, could sing one way, which way would you prefer? I prefer singing clean. Um, I love like I love screaming and I love the sound of it and everything but singing clean is a bit more fun for me because like when I'm in the car singing along to songs I can like put on any playlist on my phone and hear singing and sing along to it where screaming is just like such like a big undertaking it's like like I don't just drive down the street screaming in my car (laughs) whereas I do with singing same with like in the shower like it's just so casual and so easy to just sing along to a song but once I get into the mindset of okay now I gotta scream it's just like it's a lot more work and it's more, t- it's more tiring really. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you guys, now you said um, you've, you've approached some labels before. Is that correct? Yeah, we have talked okay. to labels. Okay. Are you still looking to go that route? Or are you going to try and just keep it how you are right now and, and move forward that way? I would like to be on a label like that is kind of the long-term goal, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I want to be smart about it. And I don't want to like just sign anything. Cause I don't want to, end up in a position like a lot of other bands do where like they're trying to sue their label or they're like in a legal battle trying to get out of a contract that screwed them over or anything like that. So like, like I said earlier, it's really hard to fund everything yourself. Like I've had to like waitress like 60 hours a week before just to save up enough money to like make an album. And then the second you start touring, you get fired from any job you have. So that's a whole other thing. So it would be really beneficial to be on a label for a lot of reasons. Um, But I don't want to like, I don't want to get like the short end of the stick in any way. So like we've been offered deals before and we've, we've turned them down because we didn't think it was like the right fit or it wasn't what we wanted. Like I had one label approach me when I was 18 and I actually drove like five hours to go have a meeting with them, with my parents and everything. 
and we ended up turning it down because they were like they were like you need to stop modeling and just focus on singing because at the time I was doing a lot of modeling um I, was, I realized I never answered your question you said if I started modeling or singing kind of around the same time I started modeling when I was like 10 okay <laughs> but really seriously modeling once I was like 18 um but so like they were like you need to stop modeling and just be a singer no one's going to take you seriously if you do modeling and singing and they were like you shouldn't post any pictures where you look like a normal girl you need to be completely goth they were like you need to be like so goth you could like sleep in a coffin every night like you want people to think you're so goth and so tough and they were like no clean singing just screaming mm -hmm. and so like they're offering me this record deal saying they want me to be this like goth like just screaming no singing kind of music and i was like sitting there thinking about it, I was like, well, I get the record deal. And I was like, but I'm not going to like this music. Like yeah. I'd said about like doing the music um, that was super right. heavy. I wasn't into it. So I ended up like turning that down. Cause I was like, I know I'm not going to have fun doing this and I'm going to regret it. Eventually it might be beneficial in some ways, but it's going to suck in other ways. So I've gone the independent route this entire time and it's been beneficial. Like at the end of the day, I can say I have full creative control. No one tells me what to do. <laughs> it's really like nice to go into a studio where it's just me and a producer. And I'm like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is what we're going to do. And here's your paycheck. So like, I'm the one in control. Like I'm the one funding it. I'm the one doing everything. Like having the say at the end of the day. Whereas once you're on a label now, all of a sudden I've got a room full of people and putting their own opinions and their own advice and their own everything and I, I i didn't want to have my creativity taken away from me so there's definitely perks there's pros and cons to being independent versus being on a label but the mm -hmm. way we've done everything so far has been working for us so i don't i don't regret doing anything the way we've done it sure how about the writing process i mean are you guys working on a new record and and how do you guys collaborate to write so there were some songs on exorcism that i had written with band members um like Dirty Liar and At the Edge. And then there were songs that I wrote by myself with just the producer, like Villain and Escape. And you can kind of, you can almost tell which songs had more writers on it. If you look at the writing credits in the album, you can kind of see which songs were just Molly, all kind of have their own sound, like Villain, like Villain, Escape, Exorcism Alive. The kind of poppier songs were me and the producer. And the kind of more rock and roll songs were the ones written by the band. So it's kind of interesting when you like look at the writing credits to see who did what. Um, and I love both, obviously. Like there's I love all of our songs. I also sure. wouldn't have put it out. But I kind of no no offense anyone. I kind of like when it is just me and the producer. Cause I like to have that creative control and stuff. So I do like making music that way. Like the less cooks in the kitchen, the easier it is, the less people inputting things and less and like you don't want to overwork a song, like I said, because then you start to not like it. Mm -hmm. um but for the next album i was saying because now um jordan and johnny and we, i were all talking about all of us writing together and i think i would do the same thing with exorcism maybe like half of the album collaborative and like half the album just myself and the producer just to kind of like mix the sounds up a little bit mm -hmm. um so we have started writing like we'll all like message each other like random riffs and random lyrics and all of that but i don't do like the like serious writing until i get in the studio yeah. And I don't know why that is. I, I can write at home, but the second I'm in a studio, I'll have three songs in a day. Whereas when yeah. I'm at home, it just doesn't happen that way. You know, that can cost some money, though. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but it happened really quickly. So at least, like, when we did Exorcism, I had booked a full trip. Like, I rented a condo and a rental car and everything in L.A. And I was like, all right, I'm here for six weeks. Let's make an album. Oh, geez. And, like, three three weeks into the trip, we were done the album. 
And I was literally like, okay, now what? So then I was just like, I'll go to the beach. I'll go to Disneyland. I'll go for a hike. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're doing the tour. Um, How long is this tour? This one is 11 shows. I think it's 11 shows. Okay. And then what happens after that? You have plans? After that, we have a second leg of the Not That Innocent Tour in May. So we're going to take April off just as a chance for us all to work day jobs and recoup from it and get ready for the next one. So then in May, we have just like another little short run. I think that one's about two weeks as well. Um, And then we do have a tour booked. It's going to be our longest tour yet for August. Those dates aren't announced yet, but I've been looking at the spreadsheet and like seeing the updates come in from the booking agent every day. And I'm like, this is the longest tour we've ever done. Like I'm really excited about it. But Yeah. Is it going to be on your own or you get, or with, are you going to be opening for somebody? We're opening for somebody on that one. Okay. A big band or, or no. Bigger than living dead girls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, that sounds great. So if people want to check you out, I mean, you're all over social media, right? Living Dead Girl, Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube. Yes. So on Instagram, we are Living Dead Girl Official. On Facebook, we are Living Dead Girl Band. YouTube is Living Dead Girl Official. And our website is livingdeadgirl.ca. .ca. Okay. And they can get all your tour dates on your website, I'm sure. Yep. And they can see all your awesome videos on YouTube. Yes. And, and, you know, if they search, they can find your personal videos doing cover songs I saw. Yes, I have my own YouTube channel, which you just reminded me I need to keep updating. I have a studio in my house, and I keep telling myself to record covers, so thank you for reminding me I need to get on that. All right, so when we hang up here, you need to go get on that. Okay. Right now. At right like now. 10 p.m. at night, I'm going to go yes. record a cover. That's when you'll sing the best. I'm so stuffy with allergies right now. Maybe my <laughs> scream will sound even even better. <laughs> you might you might create another new sound, a new style, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, Molly. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I'm going to try and catch you next week. Okay. Sounds um, good.